Hello and welcome to the 250 podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Darren. And this is an IMDb 250 podcast where each week, if we can, we... we, uh, <laughs> and, every we week, <laughs> and, and every week, like clockwork, we discuss one of the movies from the IMDb to, uh, top 250 movies of all time. We also do some terrible movies from the bottom 100, but the, it wasn't one of those weeks. This, no. This week we covered Leon. The Professional, as it's known The Professional, in the as it's known, yes. Starring Jean Renault and directed by Luc Besson. That's correct, yeah. This, this, this was based on a character, I believe, from uh, La Femme Nikita. It he, was indeed, actually. Who was called Victor the Cleaner. Yes, and in, you'll notice in Leon, Leon, the professional, refers to himself as a cleaner. He does, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the argument was that, I think Besson was arguing that Leon could effectively be the cousin of Jean the Cleaner. Um, ah. his, his New York-based cousin. Yes, yeah. They yeah. are similarly attired as well. It's been a while since I've seen the Femme Nikita, but I remember Jean Renault who shows up for a scene wearing the sort of the the hat and wearing the long coat. I don't know if he wore the sunglasses and the white I haven't shirt. seen the Femme Nikita. No, it's I've, very good. I've, I I've hardly heard that it's based on this. Okay. But yeah, if, if, if anyone has a lot of cousins, you probably have one that... Looks, looks quite like, like exactly you. like well, maybe you. not exactly like yeah. <laughs> and dresses quite similar to you as well and engages in a, the same profession as well yeah yeah has always looked up to you but you're the same age yes uh, and uh, physically identical as well yeah all right so what we're going to do is we're just going to talk briefly about the film itself uh, and then we're going to sort of we're going to go a bit more in depth in the spoiler zone so for people who haven't seen it andrew um We've both seen this before, I believe. Yes, I had seen a different version of it before. <laughs> yeah, we should talk, we'll probably talk a bit more about this in depth when we get to the spoiler zone, but there are there are two versions of the film. Right. One of them is the version that was released in America. And there's also the version that was in the script. That yes, was, that was somewhat different as well. Which was even more European than the <laughs> European version. The two versions maybe are... Maybe a bit darker. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a bit darker. Maybe a bit lighter, maybe a bit more romantic in some respects, which yeah. also makes it darker. There's also a version of the movie, uh, um, the, the, the parts of it that the actors were, were, were led to understand as, as their kind of like backstory and future story to yeah. this movie. And some of, some of that stuff is pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, but we'll, we'll sort of get to that a bit, a bit later. But we had, so we've both seen this before. Yes. Seen yeah. different versions. You had seen the version that was released in America in 1994 under the title The Professional. Yes, but I, I I think still over here that cut was was called Leon. Okay, I'm I'm not I, I'm not actually sure which version was released in Ireland, because I know that I don't know if we got the. I feel, I feel like the version we see on television and the version oh, we, yes, we get when we when we when we buy a DVD normally uh, is 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 the American version. Andrew is looking at me. Andrew begrud begrudges me for the fact that the Blu-ray that I stuck on happened to be the European I'm just version. Very close-minded. Yeah, you're not open-minded about La Femme Lolita. Uh, is probably the best description of the European cut of the film. <laughs> but basically, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the film, the film follows um, a young girl named Matilda who's who claims she's 18, but is very clearly um, yeah very clearly she, 11. She's played by Natalie Portman, who who was 11. Playing a twelve-year-old, I think. Okay, so there, there is a bit. There, just to be clear, it's not, it's not, it's not as creepy as it would be otherwise. It's sort of um, when she moves in with the mysterious hitman Leon, who gives the film the title, "The Cleaner and the Professional." Leon, so, yeah. the cleaner and the professional. Yeah, that's his business card. Um, it's closer to half his age, plus seven. Well, yeah, bit. when 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 she's teaching him how to read and write, they change it to 
the professional trainer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so basically she, uh, her family, she lives in an apartment building. Her next door neighbor happens to be a hitman. Her father is holding drugs. Um, and through a series of bizarre and unfortunate incidents, her entire family is massacred. Yeah, th- which, this, is, this is all stuff that we get in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Now, for, first we're introduced to Leon. Yeah. And we see what he, what, what he does. He's asked, is he free on, on Tuesday? On Tuesday, which is... And then one of the things I really like about it, and we'll probably get into a bit more when we go scene by scene, but is the dialogue. The dialogue in the film is so incredibly hard-boiled. It's, you know, um, he comes to town on Tuesdays. Are you free on Tuesdays? Yes, I am free on Tuesdays. And, uh, and it continues in that, in that vein um, along the way. Was it, uh, that when was he, terrible, by the way. When he sees, like, Matilda... He's such a great voice, yes. John Reno, yeah. Um, and when he sees Matilda with her black eye shortly afterwards, you know, I fell off a bike... Um, mm. All that sort of stuff, but there's um, and even Gary Oldman's uh, line readings. And when when we first meet Matilda, and and this is uh, uh, again in the first fifteen minutes uh, before some of the stuff we've spoken about, um, it started. The music starts with kind of um, xylophone or um, sort of ch- uh, childish um, yeah. kind of nursery music. And then uh, changes as she's talking to Leon into something more kind of mature sure, and grown up, which is yeah. uh, which is very very clever. The soundtrack is by Eric Serra, who I believe also provided the soundtrack to Goldeneye. Oh, did he do the entire soundtrack? Uh, to Goldeneye, the film. No, to um, Leon. Yes, yes, I believe he did. Okay. Why? What were you thinking? Which uh, do we need to go to the fact machine? Well, let's, let's hear about what you're saying, and then let's go to the fact. No, machine. I, I, I believe the um, the movie was to close with um, the song. Um, uh, well, I mean, I was about to say Michael Sarah, <laughs> as opposed to Eric Sarah. Eric yeah. Sarah and Michael Sarah are not related. They spell and pronounce their names differently. Yes. Um, but what were you going to say? Um, no, I was uh, going to say that. Um, I mean, the movie ends with Sting, but it, I think yes, it was in, shape of, it, it shape of my heart. Shape of my heart. Because if there's ever a man who can understand the complexities of somebody like Leon, it is truly Sting. Yes. The the he, what's the name of the Eric Sarah song? Is it the emotion of love or something like that? The emotion of love. Oh, the experience of love. Experience of love. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, and I think that ends the movie Goldeneye. Okay. But it was meant to. It was. It was meant to end uh, this. Okay, and that that's funny because Goldeneye was really supposed to end the theme. One of the theme songs rejected for Goldeneye, I believe, was going to be performed by Ace of Base because apparently Goldeneye yes. was not nearly nineties enough. It ended up being the Juvenile. There um, are some. There are some terrible movie, um, music choices in um, <laughs> in Goldeneye. Actually, and I mean, I mean, the 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 most the most recognizable music choice was amazing. Obviously. Yes, which is the theme song. Turner. Yes. And Written by Bono and the Edge. Yeah. Yes. I like the idea that at some point in the mid nineties, you two sat down and sort of split out, and it's like, okay, but you know, the Edge and I are going to go write the new Bond yeah. movie theme song. Adam, Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen. You, you, you've got Mission Impossible. Yeah, you, yeah, but you're remixing Mission Impossible. You're not even writing an original theme song for it. No. Um, just so we're clear on your place in the band hierarchy. You want to see my spoon? Uh, but yes, so basically, uh, we've kind of gotten off talking about the brief summary of the plot, but Matilda, after her family is murdered, moves in with sounded, that Leon. Sounded, that sounded like Adam Clayton from Spinal Tap. <laughs> do you want to see my spoons? I do love, um, I do love Spinal Tap. But, uh, and those Christopher Guest doc- uh, documentaries. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the likes of Waiting for Gutman. And... Yeah, he's got a new one coming out, is it Mascots? 
which I'm, yes, I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, it's on Netflix, great. isn't it? Is it on Netflix already? I, oh, it will be coming to Netflix, but I don't yeah. know if it's on already. It's, um, um, yeah, I've, I've By the time anybody already. actually listens to this, it will probably be on Netflix. <laughs> it will probably have been on Netflix for a good year this and a half. This is a chronicle. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so no, so basically she, Matilda moves in with Leon, um, yeah. and she proceeds to take up the trade. Yes, yeah, that's that's uh, that's, that's right. As as, as um, because because of how um, she admires Leon yeah. and also um, I suppose they're 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 both alone in the world at this point. Oh, they are, and there's there's some things I kind of would talk about when we get into into yeah. thought in a bit more depth. But so, what were your memories of seeing the film the first time, and how did they hold up on seeing it again? Well, and would you recommend this? to a casual viewer and which version of the film would you recommend <laughs> to a casual viewer Andrew oh, so let's take this in order oh, okay. not, not the version I just saw <laughs> yeah we sat down and watched the European version yes. which was famously screened for test audiences uh, in Los Angeles uh, and there were certain points in the film where apparently there were cat calls laughters and audible boos and this is from a test audience of people who are getting to see the movie for free um, so those scenes were cut and trimmed and the result was an American cut that was 25 minutes shorter. Yeah. And some of the more uncomfortable overtones uh, mm. were taken out and sort of put in the background. So, so, so yeah, they, they, that, that would answer my, my, the, your, your question of, of, of which one I prefer. You'd rather what, see the American version. Yeah. What, and and um, there was a lot of stuff, obviously from watching again, that I got the first time I watched it, which is that... Um, Gary Oldman was amazing. Oh, yeah. um, Sean Reno also amazing. Natalie Portman. Yeah, no, uh, fantastic. Eleven-year-old child doing it was that. Very, 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 very impressive. Her audition tape, actually. Yeah. I think it's on. It's it's on YouTube. A lot of people have seen it. But the the the, the kind of maturity and her um, um, just capacity to to deliver that and her ease with 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 words and her emotional well, range what is very much adult material yeah fair as well yeah. like um, um you were uncomfortable watching that andrew can you imagine being an 11 year old girl performing that yes yeah uh, no <laughs> no i can't <laughs> there are limits to andrew's empathy um, yeah yes i cannot imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> all right but um so all right so would you recommend watching it you'd recommend watching the american version the american version yeah um i would recommend watching the american version first but I would say that there is something to be gleaned from watching the European version afterwards to get a, a sense of what Luc Besson was trying to do. Oh, it's definitely closer to his vision. But we'll get to that later. All right, so you've got a, a recommendation from both of us for the American version. So let's go into the spoiler zone. Definitely right? see it. It's an awesome movie. It really is. Uh, it's the last act. Yeah, if, um, if you like kind of... Um, uh, crazy action sequences. And who doesn't like crazy action sequences? Yeah. So I think with that in mind, we'll head into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. Thank you, Andrew, queuing us in. All right, so in a bit more depth, uh, what did we like, what didn't we like, what scenes did we love about Leon, what did we hate? And maybe talk then a bit about the sort of the divide between the American version and the European version. Sure, yeah. So what did you like, Andrew? Well, um, some great performances. Oh, there really are. Yeah, I, I mean, John John Reno in this. Um, there's so much going on behind his face. Yes, um, I, think, I think that's yeah. That's one of the great things about it. Isn't and so it? Much, so much kind of subtlety, and so so much that's not said, and just expressed, yeah. and and a kind of a, t a attention 
within him and a discomfort. Yes, which which mirrors your discomfort watching the film, I think. Or watching yeah. No, no, his, his um, circumstances are different. Than, than yours, yes. Yeah. You, yeah. you not being a professional. So, man. yeah, well, he, he um, because he's lonely. I think one of the things that I really like about um, Renault's performance, sorry, is that um, is that Renault plays Leon as an innocent. Yeah. Um, and I think that the film wouldn't work if it, if he played Leon as more worldly or more knowing or more grounded. Like, yeah, Leon is, and this is something that's in the European cut of the film. In one of the scenes that's cut out of the American version, and one of the films, the scenes that I like. Okay, well, not one of the scenes. One of the details in a scene. One of the details that I like in a scene that makes me incredibly uncomfortable is the bit where he explains his backstory and how he came to America, which is left unspoken and implied. The, the, yeah, um, Tony mentions this. Yeah, he, he says, w- when I, in, in both versions of the movie. Yeah, he says, when I took you in, but you don't get a sense of why he took you yeah. in. So he came he to said, He says he had problems with a girl. Yeah, but you don't find out that he, he only came to America when he was 19 um, after killing the father um, of his first love. The father having killed his first love. Mm. Um, and so then basically, I think that explains a lot about who Leon is. I think he stopped growing at that age. If he was ever, I don't think he was a mature 19 year old, but I think he sort of that, he froze psychologically at that age. Yeah. And Which, I, I guess now we're going into the kind of like the character yeah. of, of, of Leon a bit and some of his themes. But I mean, to, 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 get back to I guess some of the things we liked yeah. aside, aside from Jean Reno's performance which which has that fantastic innocence yeah. and um, and also a lot of depth there's also um, Gary Oldman which kind of has the opposite <laughs> extreme really uh, in a brilliant yeah. way um, there's, there's, there's a line his, his character has it's like it brings me no pleasure to take somebody's life if yeah. They don't appreciate it. Yeah. It's like you think he's about to say, "At all, I don't take any pleasure in killing people." But it's like I do, unless <laughs> the only thing that could cause me not unless to they want my, to die. Yeah, yeah, that kind of takes me right out in the moment. Yeah, uh, but there are there are all these brilliant sort of delivery choices from he, Oldman. Yeah, he he's um, like a sort of a cartoon villain. He's, oh, he is. He's, yeah, yeah. He's like, if, if this story is told from Matilda's point of view, he's like Gaston and Beauty and the Beast sort of thing, basically. He's, he's a monster. Well, Gast- Gast- Gaston wasn't so bad. <laughs> In hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's a scene where when he's trying to discover, like, the, there's the events that spur the plot are Matilda's father are, is holding drugs for the DEA. Yeah. And it turns out that he's been cutting the drugs uh, in order to send Matilda to an expensive prep school that she's not going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, but I was uh, suggesting that that's what it's all about. Matilda could have been more appreciative. <laughs> yeah, given everything that happened since. But um, it's just a fantastic introductory scene for the character. He's introduced sort of standing in the hallway with one earphone in, listening to what we presume is Beethoven. Mm. Um, and basically he's interrupted and then he he does this thing that apparently nobody on set knew Gary Oldman was going to do when he did it he just started sniffing he starts sniffing Matilda's father because there's a line where the the other cop there is like you know he can sniff out, he can tell when you're lying he can sniff it it's like a, he's like a hound and obviously Gary Oldman read that line he's like yes that is where the character lies so he he walks up and takes a big old sniff of Matilda's father like he's a line of cocaine um, and if you watch the scene, the actor being sniffed 
is wonderfully uncomfortable uh, in a way that sort of transcends performance. <laughs> yeah. What is, what's what, going on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't break character. Don't break character. Um, and then basically... Because I, I can imagine, like... Um, well, from hearing from people who were on the movie, like, who, who, who met Gary Oldman, who, who was very much like, oh, hi, my name's Gary. But I imagine, like, within scenes... Who, 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 yeah, <laughs> would, be would have been very intense and very in character and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, um, we'll probably talk about this more when we get to character. But you look at Norman Stanfield and you wonder how he functions as a human being and why, in the name of goodness, people seem to listen to or trust him as a being. Well, yeah, it's kind of painting. Uh, it's like very old New York. So oh, it is. Like this is surfical. pre, yeah, pre Giuliani <laughs> New York, and exactly yeah. you described it. Yeah. Um, although the final scene is probably it strikes me as Giuliani's first day in office. You know, we're going tough on crime in that in that final act. Yeah, yeah. Who's heading us up? Oh, this guy Stanfield. What's he like? Uh, do you want to sit around all day and talk about who's in charge, or do you want to get some work done? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I need the following. I need metal barricades, rocket launchers, and everyone. Tough on crime and the causes of crime, <laughs> and uh, and on French immigrants. Yes, um, yeah, that's that's the real thing there. If this was shot today, the issue would be Leon. Same so. thing. Yeah, all no. these Frenchies. Yeah. Although in the movie, is he an Italian? That's right. Or, or do they say kind of like yeah. this? Um, Stanfield says like um, he looked of the Italian. Italian persuasion or something like that. He looked Italian. <laughs> it's like does he? <laughs> this is one of the things that I, I kind of watching watching Leon. It's definitely continental. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's not like us. Yeah. One of the things I really like, one of the things sort of that I was watching, you were talking about like Stanfield being a cartoon villain. New yeah. York New York is basically a cartoon version of itself in the film. Yeah, like, some people have said it's very, it's, it's, there's, there's a kind of a, a European vibe off of it. Well, all the interiors were shot on sets in France, apparently. Oh, really? Apart from the whole scene at the very end. Ah. Was, yeah. So all to blow it up. <laughs> the French don't do that. Yeah. Um, but basically... Buildings are too old. Yes. Uh, too much character. Yeah. But the... the um, All the interiors were shot in Paris. But it, it's more... Like, you get the sense that Luc Besson has, like, walked through New York a couple of times and has absorbed ethnic stereotypes. So, like, Leon gets his job from an Italian named Tony. Who works at Guido's. Who, yes, who works at an Italian Just, restaurant named Guido's. What's it Guido's. called? The Macaroni or Company? Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what is it? There's the the Chinese gangsters and there's... Uh, but there's there's very much a sense of New York as sort of divided by ethnic boundaries. Mm. The point where, like, apparently the only person operating Italian-type hitmen in New York is Tony. So that, like, the only lead that Stansfield has to bring him back to Leon is the fact that he, he looks European. It's a weird operation, does Tony, because it seems like what he does is he's an agent for, <laughs> for, for, for one hitman. Yeah. And people come to him when they want um, people, people taken care of. Like, he, he doesn't s- seem to operate any other criminal enterprises, aside from illicit finance. Yeah, <laughs> but it's okay. Nobody knocks over old Tony. No, no. People knock over a bank. Yeah, I think... Yeah, Nobody to- knocks over old, old Tony. Tony may not have the best grasp of high finance. Yeah, but, it's like... Uh, plus, like in a bank, you have to write it down. You have to read what they're saying. 
here. It's just in my head. Yeah, you can trust me. I'll take all your money, and uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I really like the Tony sort of. <laughs> Tony seems seems he starts out as sort of this weirdly friendly paternal character, this eccentric he guy. A, he gives a handsome annuity. Yeah. Um, of one hundred dollars per month. <laughs> yes. That's that's the bit at the end. So Leon makes him promise to give Matilda all of his money. Yeah. Uh, and should anything ever happen. Should anything ever happen. And then naturally, because we're in the spoiler zone, something happens to Leon and Matilda goes to collect. And Tony, with the generosity of his heart, reaches into his wallet. Yeah, takes out. he didn't really open it up for a sequel much. No. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, I guess, uh, Natalie Portman wants to take over the mantle. Well, you... Um, they you, they did actually plan a sequel. Really, there was, a, there was several. There was a sequel planned. Uh, Besson wanted to follow Matilda as she grew up, and he wanted to wait for Natalie Portman to be a little bit older, and she wanted to do it. Um, and apparently, Olivia Megaton, uh, who you may remember, Ooh. yeah, there we go, who you may remember from such films as The Transporter Three, and uh, right. who's like Luke Besson's sort of right hand. I don't want to actually direct this director. Uh, was going to direct a sequel. Uh, but unfortunately, the rights got tied up in the distribution company Del Monde, uh, who had a bit of an issue with Besson and refused to give him the rights to uh, to Leon. So basically, the sequel never happened. But if you want to get a sense of what the sequel might have been like, uh, Olivier Megaton directed the movie Columbiana, starring Zoe Saldana, and apparently that was the that was a rough idea of what the sequel might have looked like. Ah, it was also terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Zoe Saldana. Portman's Rosaria Dawson. Is, is that just me who thinks that? I've heard I, people say how fantastic she is. She's great. I've, I've seen, seen Zaldana. I've, I've, I've seen Zaldana in movies. I'm like, ah. I think the issue with Zaldana is that the work that she's done has made a considerable impact, but she herself hasn't had the opportunities necessarily off the bat with. So, like, she's in Avatar, which is was the highest grossing movie of all time until The Force Awakens. Yeah, I don't know how that managed to grow so much, and I didn't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> the two facts are clearly linked to one another. Yeah, What's that it must have been a lot of people saw it twice. What's that thing that Tony says? It's like one thing's got nothing to do with the other. Um, it's a little bit like that. Uh, who would have thought? James Cameron's sitting there in his in his cave, sort of counting. I knew there were seven. How much more money thing. can we make off this? Seven dollars. Some people haven't seen it. Yeah. But uh, she did that. She did the Star Trek film. She was around. She's done Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that. I feel like she should have a bigger presence than she does. Not great in the Star Trek movies. Not mm. that great in Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't see really very much from 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 her. I would. I think she's pretty good. She's pretty reliable and consistent generally. Okay. So if you ever get the urge to see what a really crappy S- sequel, sequel to Leon would be. be, yeah, the original idea was basically to. Uh, to do a sequel with Natalie Portman that got tied up. So Olivia Megaton, the director of Tran- have you seen not Transporter Three of uh, Taken Three? Have you seen Taken Three? No, no, it I is haven't. terrible. I've seen Taken. Taken's enjoyable for what it is. It has a uh, little, little, little racist, little uh, insensitive politically, uh, but I, I enjoy it as a stupid action movie. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas Taken Three is just terrible. It's- um, as soon as you go to an action movie and you're like here's action but it's, I need more and then you see a movie and it's a stupid action movie and it's like, so this is action but it's also stupid yeah now somehow it's better yeah somehow it's yeah. better than an action movie that's not stupid yeah well I mean to be fair like it's, it's extra wrinkle yeah something to sort out so what else did we like about it then 
the introduction to uh, to Leon when he does his first hit. Or the guy who's visiting on Tuesday. Yeah. He, mu- he must kill like 10 or 15 people, I guess. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, actually, first guy he shoots is Tonto. Which is, again, ties into the sense of like Leon's, Leon's New York they, as being incredibly they ethnic. They have this in a- Native American guy, I guess, yeah. who, who works with them. He's, 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 he's possibly na- Native South American either. Or, but I don't think they but, care about yeah, that. But they, but they call him Tonto. Yeah. He's like, oh, they shot Tonto. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, hold on, what was his name again? <laughs> um, did he have a family? I don't know. We just called him Tonto. Um, he thought yeah. it was funny. Um, um, and then, and then like, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's just pulled, pulled that um, Hispanic guy over the banister. Which is a great scene. Which they killed Julio. <laughs> well, they have, and then there's the, the Texan guy who's watching the video, who's watching the security feed. Oh. You can tell because he's got like a, ca- you know, the cowboy toy at times. Hey, hung Hank. <laughs> Because you do, you see his cowboy boots. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal. Actually, it's a really. Besson yeah. is a fantastic action director. Yeah, the, the, it's 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 fantastic. The, like, um, it's important as well that, that everybody gets killed in different ways. Yes, variety. Because otherwise, it'd just be boring. Yeah. But I mean, even stuff like the shot of Hank's cowboy boots going up in the air and Hank's walkie-talkie coming down, which is just a really clever sort of visual element. And even the bit where he ambushes your man, um, the guy who's there on Tuesday, I don't actually know his name, but where he puts the knife under his throat and stuff like that and then sort of slinks back into the shadows. It's, it's a phenomenal sequence. Um, Gordon. Gordon. We're going to go with Gordon. Yeah. We're going to call him Gordon. <laughs> for all of the other guys. <laughs> we need to give him a name that um, relates to his ethnicity strongly. Um, <laughs> Gordon <laughs> is perhaps not appropriate. Why don't we, Let's just call him Tuesday guy. Tuesday guy. Yeah. yeah. Our man Tuesday. All right, so after that then, uh, we go to Guido's because apparently Tonto wasn't enough of a stereotype uh, in Austin. Yeah. But I like, I like Tony. Tony never leaves the restaurant. Uh, and he actually no. so he says that. He says that I, I just go from here to there, but you never see him going there. Mm. Like, it's just here. Like, he gets his hair cut there. His he, children seem to have their birthdays there. Yeah. Um, and uh, those are his lovers. <laughs> in the, keep, <laughs> keeping with this, the theme of the film. Yeah, yeah well, this it, is going to be an uncomfortable discussion later on. This this will be because there, like um, when I said go watch this movie, uh, yeah, I, I was talking about the American version first, and the American version it makes you think about these themes. It makes you think about like, oh gosh, the, this this is verging into the inappropriate. The relationship but between Matilda and the Leon. The relationship between yeah Matilda and Leon. Not between um, Tony and his children, to be clear. No. And 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 this com- this comes from um, from Luc Besson. Yes, because you his, you told me about this. So yeah, yeah, I, I, his um, fiance um, was on set. Um, she's actually also in the movie in um, that opening scene. Yeah, I believe she's she's in the opening scene as some sort of masseuse slash prostitute, I guess. Um, and I think when they met first, she was like. 11 and there was nothing kind of romantic or inappropriate I guess and then when she was like about 15 fell in love I think they could have been she was still like around 17 when they got engaged wow I think so this sort of this adds a lot of Woody Allen type subtext to the film really yeah yeah. Um, because what happens is Matilda moves in with, with Leon after her family's killed, but she develops what's obviously a very clear crush on him. Yeah. Um, and in the American version, 
they leave in little bits and pieces of the bit where she tells the concierge that Leon is her lover, for example. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about a child having a crush on an older person, that's, I don't think that's controversial. The, the, um, the, the uh, uh, kids all the time, like you, 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 you and I growing up would have had crushes on, on adults, uh, uh, as in either um, celebrities or even like our teachers, right? Yes, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 so that part's normal. Um, but she, 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 she <laughs> I love the fact you're trying to frame the relationship between an assassin and an end, like an 11 year old girl whose family was murdered in terms of like normal yeah I, I, I feel like in, in normal circumstances a person would have would have been like whoa 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 not going to deal with that going to extricate myself <laughs> away from this situation like as, yeah. as, um, as quickly, quickly as, as possible, possible. Yeah. yeah but he but, but he he is Emotionally um, underdeveloped. Yeah, and and he's 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 alone in the world, and I feel like that was kind of a um, a big theme of this movie, along with like um, the theme of innocence versus kind of darkness, because be, be, because even even though what Leon does for a living is is um, is quite grown up, <laughs> <laughs> he kills people like a grown ass man. Yeah. Um, uh, he ha- he has this innocence, whereas Matilda is is, is More a worldly. child, but um, has there's a lot of kind of like um, uh, darkness and kind of maybe not really understanding um, these kind of mature themes like sexuality and that, but she de- definitely likes to kind of um, think of herself as grown up. I oh. think I think there's 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 a scene where. They talk. They um, contrast each other, where um, she's saying um, that she's plenty grown up. Like, oh yeah, this is this he, is the sequence where yeah. he's leaving, where and he's now, like, I I'm getting older, but I'm already grown up, and he's like, I'm old, but I need to grow up. Yeah, which I think sums up their characters very well. Yeah, it's trying it's trying to say that that <laughs> I think that 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 she's kind of grown up for her age but it's yeah. still not okay because she's she's, she's basically 11 years old yeah. yes yeah uh, here's the thing right so i think but there, there's still the, the cre- creepy thing about that is like there's this um power dynamic um in an imbalance between um an older person um and a young person especially when it's like that yeah whatever whatever about two adults but like the 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 idea that um, an an adult can wait for 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 a child to grow up and then it would be okay. It's like you're still going to have that, that dynamic, dynamic that of you as an adult and and I, her as a child. And you thinking of her as a child and she thinking of you as an adult, for example. Yeah. Um, and obviously it can be gender swapped or whatever. Like I mean, I think there is there is a scene that that underscores that very well, where she is very much. I think you pointed this out while we were watching it, where he's in the thing with um, Tony and he sees her talking to a boy outside and he goes out and he tells her, you know, I don't want you to talk to people. And she's like, yeah, okay. And he's like, I don't want you to smoke. And she's like, okay. And it's it's this very much this, it underscores yeah. the I idea. I don't want you to curse. Yeah, yes. you, should talk, you should talk nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and it's she's very just much looking at him like adoringly and being like, yes, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Yeah, and it underscores this idea that they are, regardless of how either of them thinks of the relationship, they yeah. are a father and daughter, pretty much. 
Yeah. Well, no, because like he he's he's being kind of like paternal and yeah. laying down the law, or yeah, at least that's what he thinks uh, he's doing. But the power he has over her is not the power of 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 a parent. It's the power of 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 somebody of someone who is um, idolized and. Um, like her, her we're, we're running the t- at the risk of getting to highly Freudian territory in a moment. But anyway, we'll... Uh, I, I think that the fact that he provides her with room, board, shelter, and protection is older than her and cares for her makes he, him a de facto parent whether she recognises him as such or not. No, she doesn't. That's, yes, the, she, thing, that's the thing I'm saying. It's like, like he, he's trying to be a kind of like a, a father to her and her response is like, you're amazing. Yes, we should get yeah. it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there's, to that scene in a second. There's some very uncomfortable <laughs> bits in the in this in this in the European cut. European cut. Yes. yes, it's very continental. Yeah. Um, no, I me. I can see, I can see that, and I th- but I think that well, first of all, I think that if he if she's not if her not being able to see him as a father is an issue, I think the fact that he's unwilling to be a father, he's unwilling to entirely assume the responsibility and authority that comes with being a father. Like, he walks out in the middle of the film, leaves her entirely by herself so he can go kill some people. And he thinks he's doing it for her. Uh, but it ends up putting her in a situation where she's trapped in a restroom with Gary Oldman. And nobody wants to be trapped in a restroom with Gary Oldman. <laughs> the, 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 that scene is strange, because the, 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 <laughs> there's a stall she, at the She end. walks in to kill him while, while I guess he's in the loo. Um, and there's a stall at the end. Where, where the door is closed. Where the door is closed. Um, and she walks up in front of that, but he's actually hiding behind the main door of, of, of the bathroom. Of the bathroom, yeah. Um, who's in that other stall? Yeah, it is. Do you know what occurs to me? Maybe it was it was out of order. <laughs> After all that, well, I think I noticed this while I was watching it because it was early in the scene. The door is very clearly closed because she has to sneak up on it, right? Yeah. Later in the conversation, while they're cutting back and forth, and while Gary Oldman is having some very incriminating conversations about how. Um, how he can't kill people unless they don't want to die. The dramatic pause is very important there. Um, The door sort of creaks a little ajar as if to tell the audience that there's nobody in there. Because I can can imagine that that would sort of really ruin the guy's concentration if he was sitting down. The door just needed some oil. It was a stiff door. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, I think... Like, I think that it is a paternal... I think the failure for it to be a proper father-daughter relationship is on both of them to an extent. And obviously more... I would argue more on him yeah, than no, him it's, being an it's, adult. It's an inappropriate romance. Yeah. Is what it is. It, it's not... Like, like I, I think um, there, are, there are moments where he's trying to maybe kind of um, bring it back more to something. Yeah, set to, boundaries, basically. Um, yeah, exactly. But... Um, Especially in the European version, those 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 boundaries are are, are, are blurred and erased and forgotten. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I mean, like, um, uh, she is more um, uh, explicit in in her kind of desire for him. Yeah. In in the European version, there's a scene where she, which is, which is there. In I think in in the American version, there's a few kind of things she says, and he kind of spit takes. Yeah. Um. And and there's where where as you said, um, yeah, she she tells the hotel manager that that, the, that they're lovers and they yeah. have to move and he's embarrassed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that that that's uncomfortable enough having having watched the American cut of the film, but the the European cut goes a lot further. Yeah. Does, there's a scene where he buys her a dress. 
Yeah. Uh, and he suggests that she wear it. And she's, she's sort of angry at him and she doesn't. But later on in the movie, she puts the dress on and has this very explicit conversation yeah. about how she would like to sleep with him. Um, yeah. And, and then what happens? For her first time, he would like to be special. And then she expl- and then he explains that his whole backstory. Yeah. And that he hasn't been with anybody since. And then says, So you see I wouldn't be a very good lover. <laughs> and uh, and uh, as, Andrew as, was cowering in the seat during as that another scene. kind of like are we to suppose that um, <laughs> the, the, the reason he he's not like dove straight into it was that he's like, Oh, it wouldn't be very good. As opposed to this is morally wrong. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, the film has a very skewy moral compass. It's actually, watching the film, it's quite weird. Like, obviously, you would imagine that a film about a hitman it's, and a little girl. It's strange that the hero of it is, 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 is the DEA agent who's killing everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, going He's morally the, conscious. The one yeah. we're, we're meant we're to look up to? Yeah. No, but I mean, so obviously it's a, it's a film about a hitman and a little girl. It's meant to be skewy, right? But there's also this really weird don't do drugs kids message to the film. Like the film is entirely oh. cynical about hitmen and assassinations and stuff, but it seems entirely I, serious about its dislike of drugs. Just uh, the drugs thing in the European version, there's a bit where, by the way, in the European version, they have this weird montage where they go around doing the exact same hit like over and over again, 10 times probably. You, you imagine that, yeah. Killing Leon. people where. where she she puts bubble gum on the oh and by the way she seems to be putting bubble gum onto like some somebody's somebody's viewer on yeah. their door yeah and then they can't see and she says knocks on the door and says oh it's dark, it's dark outside out. here then they open their door uh, on the snip yeah Leon has a bolt cutter Leon has a bolt cutter uh, cuts it and then she, um, obviously killing yeah. ensues then, then, then she takes back her bubblegum and presumably puts it in her mouth that's disgusting I, I'm gonna, I don't know if she puts it back in her mouth I think it's more that like so that if when the police arrive to examine it's not like oh look he, cover, he put bubblegum on the door it'd still be her spit <laughs> <laughs> I don't th- yeah well if there's no bubblegum on the actual door hole I don't imagine the DNA test that yeah. he went for it no in like 20 years to, yeah like, that, that pit scheme found, didn't work we found her spit on like 15 doors yeah we, this is the cold <laughs> case we went back on yeah cold cases turns out people don't lick <laughs> don't lick window portholes um, all around New York yeah I like the I like the idea that like Matilda having because at the end of the film she goes to the prep school and she sort of looks like she's going to have a good life. I like the idea of Matilda fifteen years down the road, Harvard Law School is approached by a bunch of DEA agents. Like we did a bunch of DNA analysis so on these cases. She, she's Natalie Portman. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Harvard scholar, I believe, isn't Portman? Yeah, yeah Portman is uh, phenomenally uh, intelligent. But um, yeah, understandably, her parents not very keen on her taking this role. Cool. Why? <laughs> yeah, what could possibly make them uncomfortable? Apparently, she talked about this being one of the films she argued with her parents about taking because she read the oh, script. I'd say so. And she yeah. loved the script, and they hated the script, understandably. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, like children are interested in those sorts of things yeah. that are that are grown up and a bit too old for them, and that's the way I guess um, kids do grow up. Now, obviously, that. <laughs> that can happen far too quickly when somebody discovers something like that that's that's many many years beyond what they can yeah, understand process, or comprehend yeah. 
but I, I think I think children will naturally kind of um, as they develop they will they will they will see things that are that are um, appropriate for like an older audience and that sort of thing yeah so it's understandable that she'd want to do it's also understandable that the parents <laughs> would be like, like absolutely no not under no condition yeah apparently the script was even more graphic than the European cut yeah and and the the ending of the movie is different as well okay how is the ending different I, I didn't notice it's not Leon's holding the pin in the end is it no it's her really yeah she blows oh. herself up oh okay that's yeah it's like killing it's killing Stanfield killing Stanfield and thus completing the circle the, the moral being that violence consumes whatever as opposed to just don't don't mess with Leon no I I guess it's like this girl's badass it is it's where she's we're going. finally arrived <laughs> it's finally this happened. was her journey yeah. to kill her now she's killed somebody <laughs> and it's over yeah goodbye well, I mean, apparently Portman's family insisted on a huge number of changes to the scripts, as you might imagine. But apparently stuff like her quitting smoking, for example. She was only allowed to hold something like five cigarettes over the course of the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there, there's, she never inhales. There's, there's, um, there's a point, yeah, at the beginning where she's smoking and then he sees her smoking and says, like, Don't I want that. you to stop smoking. Then when he's away for the day, actually, she's smoking a cigarette, and then she's smoking another cigarette. She looks at the cigarette uh, in 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 the way that somebody, like an older person who's who's meant to be giving up, would look at it and go, "Oh, what am I doing?" and throws it away. Yeah. So that was imposed. That was a condition of the Portman family. I'm bring. I'm sort of bringing it in. Um, yeah, they were obviously also not. Keen. They didn't want to step on any Portman toes. You know that apparently. Hey, can I not get any acknowledgement of that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna move on. Okay, fine. You know that Liv Taylor, Liv Tyler, auditioned for the part of uh, of Matilda. Yeah. But she was considered too old at the age of fifteen. Oh, is is I thought I thought this was going to be a joke. No, no, this is yeah, the same she was too old. <laughs> she was okay. apparently too old at the age of fifteen, so they were looking for somebody at the age of eleven or twelve. Yeah. And I think that Portman plays Matilda as somebody who has the emotional age of about fifteen. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, one hundred percent, and 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 that's kind of believable as well yes. from from a New Yorker kid, especially. Yeah. Like I think anyone's seen kids <laughs> <laughs> in New York. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things I, I like the movie kids. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Which, which one's that? It's in New York. It's it's all those kids who are like having sex the whole time. Chloe Sevigny is in it. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, spoiler alert. Well, we're in the spoiler zone. This spoiler for another movie, kids. Everyone gets AIDS. So it's like Rent. It's like that. It's a one-word title about life in New York where yeah, everybody gets AIDS. You never want to have sex again. They should show it in schools. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's it. That's, that's, yeah, they should show Train Spotting and Requiem for a Dream as well, actually. Those would be great yeah. anti-drug films for schools. I never got the argument that those films glorify drug use. But, um, yeah, I think one of the things that works really well about Matilda is that she's not played... Like, she's not played as an adult in a child's body. She's played as a child becoming, like, pretending to be an adult. Like, she's very clearly imitating things that she's seen. So, yeah. like, the smoking. But, like, early in the film, she walks in on her parents having a quickie in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and I she, think she, yeah, she understands she's... that sex can be used to control and manipulate and sort of to get what you want. Yeah, she's 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 been exposed to a lot, I guess, because yeah. her, her, there's, there's a lack of, innocence in in her home life there's the four-year-old um brother yeah. 
who she cares a lot for, I guess, because... He never uh, abuses her. Yeah, but also because he has that innocence, I guess, that she lacks. Yeah. Um, he never cries, he just goes into her and just lies. Yeah. So yeah, there, 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 there is, I think, some kind of wistfulness about kind of uh, that loss of, of, of innocence. But also, I, I think she's drawn to... Um, the innocence kind of, of Leon. Growing up fast. Or, yes, yeah, actually, that's a good point, actually. The, 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 way, the way he's innocent... It's a kind of a, a, a way for her to to um, approach this adult situation. It makes it easier for yeah. her to do that because because he's a, a more naive. Yeah. He's, he's he's equivalent. I think his mental age is about fifteen as well, actually, um, which I think explains why. Yeah, he's he's illiterate in this movie or something. Yeah, yeah, um, which it makes you either a, a hitman or a Nazi. Yeah, if, he, he, if the reader and Leon have taught us nothing. He go. He goes um, to see um, musical. He does Gene Kelly, yeah. um, which is is quite quite adorable. That scene of uh, Jean Reno is so good, but the scene of him watching Gene Kelly, um, and it's yeah. the only one he gets. He doesn't get the. He doesn't get Madonna. He doesn't get Marilyn Monroe. Uh, he doesn't get Charlie Chaplin, but he gets Gene Kelly, um, which is is quite nice. Apparently, when they're doing that scene, Portman was Portman knew Charlie Chaplin and Portman knew um, Madonna. But she didn't know um, Marlon Monroe. Apparently, really? her impression of Marlon Monroe was based purely on watching Mike Myers on Wayne's World. Really? Yeah, which is, is quite quite a cool little fact. Wow. Yeah, uh, which is and when we're talking about her and her brother, one of the things that's interesting is that her brother is the only member of the family who isn't actually killed by Stanfield. Yeah, which yeah. is a really bizarre and little detail. She goes she, she goes after Stanfield for uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with what he actually did. Yeah, it's got she doesn't everything to do what the one thing he didn't, he didn't do, do, which is kill her brother. Yeah, the one thing Rasta dude did. Rasta man. Yeah, who looks like Gary Oldman from True Romance. Yeah, it's like I love the idea of Gary Oldman operating an undercover DEA agent's ring run by <laughs> actors who resemble his previous roles. He has he has to play the um, steady. Reliable, reliable guy. It's like, hold on, wait, wait, shouldn't do this. Yeah, this is not right at all. That's the thing. Watching the film, I have no idea how Stanfield organizes or orchestrates what I presume is a citywide like corrupt cops ring. Given the fact that his own subordinates seem to have to stage manage him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I... Why don't you step out into the hall? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you shot an old lady. Why don't we move you back into the apartment? Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He, like, this old lady comes out and she's like, What's the racket? What's going on Why in there? Why don't you leave those people Why alone? <laughs> those poor people alone. And it's <laughs> like, uh, just go back into your house, lady. It's like, the non-Gary Oldman cop. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he's like, I'm perfectly calm. I'm perfectly calm. He just takes out his gun. Shoots a glass Shoots pane a behind glass him. Behind it's like, he said go in your apartment. Um, yeah. At which point his partner arrives and then corrals him back in. Okay, we'll just go back. Yeah. We'll just go back and we're moving and we're moving. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes we're there. Um, but yeah, no, and the pills. Gary oh, pills. his performance pills. His, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. The, the, I, I was listening to... Um, Adam Bush, who plays a small part in this movie, Manolo, he's um, Tony's kind of uh, young sort of um, 
protege or something. He, this movie's full of children at young ages doing inappropriate things. Yeah, yeah. He he seems to always be in this um, restaurant. Yeah, along with well, it's a restaurant guy. slash like office for a um, mafia don or slash <laughs> hit, hit, hitman talent agency. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so you were listening to the podcast. Yeah, and they um, what they were saying a number of things that 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 thing about uh, Luke Besson's um, girlfriend, kind of yeah, yeah, and Sash Muse. Yeah, and and how it was kind of art imitating life, um, but also um, I think Matt Gordy, who 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 was presenting it. This was um, I was there too. Yeah, the podcast where it's people who um, played small parts in in uh, big movies. He was, he was saying that he always imagines these are his acting materials. Harry <laughs> Oldman is taking to just reach Ramp up. heights of histrionics where it's like, everybody! You, you mean, you want, me, you want me to go at Morgan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, do you, uh, what about the guys back at the office? Um, and Tech support like, staff? Yeah, it's I like, we, 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 need, we need to at least leave the... Um, yeah, do, do the phone do, operators. Yeah, do we do we need bomb support? Yeah, it's like what what about those dogs? Everybody. <laughs> Apparently, that was that was starting, that would take was a joke. Yeah. Apparently, Oldman Oldman decided that he would scare the hell out of Luke Besson in one take. He arranged with the sound guy. So um, before he did that particular take, he indicated for the guy recording the sound to take off his headphones because it would deafen him, and yell, "Everybody!" At the top of his voice, uh, not realizing that Luke Besson really loud. <laughs> <laughs> see the cut. I can be very loud when I want to. No, uh, no, it's good. <laughs> it was, the bit that you're aping was very loud. <laughs> but apparently, he didn't realize that Luke Besson would see this, chuckle heartily, and go, "Yes, that's exactly the range at which I want to pitch this film." Apparently, Luke Besson has a good sense of humor. You can tell. Yeah. This the, this movie has a lot of like kind of doesn't take itself too seriously as you would expect from a film about yeah about a hitman like if it took itself too seriously it would be terrible Mm. um like it it is a caricature version of new york where like stan (laughs) stanfield seems to just like i I love how blasé the internal affairs agents are about this you know we don't want to waste your time we want to find out what happened here i don't have time for this bullshit yeah he's like guy had a gun shot him what happened to the family i don't know um and they're like okay good answer (laughs) we're done here and apparently Stanfield can go, look, I got a source. There's this I lost one a good guy. man yeah. who wanted to die. That gives me no pleasure. <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. I, but I love, I love the way Oldman plays the transformation when he takes the pills. Because he sort of, he does this thing where he looks up at the... He, yeah, it's like, a, he's like he's transforming into some sort of like amphetamine-fueled werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With strong opinions about classical music. Yeah, uh, it's just something. He he's he's really actually not that much of a Beethoven <laughs> fan because he's like, I like it when it starts, and then towards the middle it can get <laughs> kind of boring. It's like, so you like Beethoven to the extent most normal people do, where, <laughs> where, where, yeah, where, where maybe you have like Ode, the, uh, Ode to Joy. Yeah, it's like da 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 da. Okay, stop there. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I've heard all I need. Yeah, yeah. The bit from Die Hard. He's really yeah. just a Die Hard. For a moment, fan. you think, uh, yeah, that he's he's hyper culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he 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 just he likes he likes um, he likes the bits everybody else likes. He's just classical very medleys. 
for every 15 seconds it changes from like Beethoven's to, to one iconic piece to yeah. um, <laughs> What's that? We, really need to, we really need to know more classical music to pull off this gag Andrew uh, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say uh, Vivaldi's Four Seasons <laughs> just on constant loop yeah but yes, no. Everybody likes those bits of music, Stanfield. Nobody makes that big a deal about them. Yeah. But he does this thing where he looks up, where he's he's taking them. Like he doesn't. A regular person would just put a pill under their tongue and swallow it. No, no. He puts the puts it between his teeth, looks up to the heavens, which also happened to be the camera in this case, bites down and sort of physically tenses, like every muscle in his body is like, oh yeah, that's the good stuff. Why? Why do his colleagues like? let him do that before they do something incredibly volatile why aren't they they like okay we're gonna go out partying why don't you take one of those pills but uh today we're gonna we're gonna do it without the pill the plan the plan they spoke about it on the car yeah it's like um so what we're gonna do is hold on, hold on wait, 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 wait. should i be taking my pills yeah sure you can take your pills uh cool 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 so uh, yeah, you, were saying, you, yeah. you guys go and talk about the plan. It's like, yeah. so what we're gonna do is, who's gonna listen? I don't know. I'm just gonna take my pills. Yeah, I'm gonna win. Just gonna listen to Beethoven. Yeah, play it by ear. Um, all right then. So what else do we like? Yeah, it goes into the, uh, it goes into the police station to, to oh, get yeah. back Matilda. That was fun. Uh, that was great fun. It's yeah, a- w- w- watching Leon work is great. When when he's under siege at the end, and he f- finally gets to use his. Um, his uh, his abs that he's been working on throughout the movie. Yeah, I thought that was a great example of sort of like Chekhov's Chekhov's foreshadowing. Skill. Yeah, was yeah. the the doing sit ups and you're like because that's the only and it's great it's the only thing he uses the bed for in the apartment and when when Matilda comes to stay over he has no idea how to physically put a blanket over her because he's never used a bed before apparently. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a very precise skill but at the very end when they come to the door he leans down shoots and then like sits back. You know, sort of pulled straight back up. It's a, it's a really nice sort of. Uh, it's proper good. Yeah, Chekhov's gunman, gunman. Um, yeah, the, the the European version of the movie um, has that Chekhov's gun principle. And Nabokov's <laughs> gun. Nabokov's gun. gun. Yeah. yeah, if there's a sexy kid in the movie, <laughs> in the third <laughs> act, she must. Anyway, never mind. Uh, oh God. But don't watch the European version. It made me feel very uncomfortable. It did. Andrew was just squirming I, in his I, seat. I thought the, 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 the American version... Um, Threads the lines. Yeah, right? it does. It does. Like and you it, get it makes subjects. it a more interesting movie. As opposed like, to the European version. Aside, aside from the fact that um, Luc Besson is like, a creep in, in the same way that Woody Allen is, like you can, you can separate something from, 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 from its creator and say this is an interesting work of art. Yeah. Like, which we'll do when we land on Chinatown. <laughs> That's going to be a fun podcast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I think, yeah, the, there's, the European version has the two spending the night together in bed. Yeah, that, that was weird. That was weird. It was very weird. Yeah, it is very uncomfortable and very, very creepy. That said, I'm not entirely sure that it being creepier is a bad thing. I thought the American version was creepy, but I'm not sure that hiding the creepiness makes it a better film I would I, I think that putting the creepiness up front is in some ways following the premise to its conclusion almost no you didn't find that you like it. N- no Andrew that is not because <laughs> I like it <laughs> it's like 
people want to hide the creepiness. <laughs> Should be out there. Out there. Yeah. Gotta bask in the creepiness. If I pay seven dollars to see a creepy movie, <laughs> I want to be properly creeped out. Why are we looking like Al Pacino? <laughs> why, why does Al Pacino like creepy movies? Um, I don't know why, but um, but he should stop it. He really should. Um, no, I think that like being candid about. So those are the things we liked about the movie. Okay. I liked the 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 characters, the scenes. I liked some of the themes, and and Darren liked kind of creepy aspects of it. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what resonated the, with me yeah, personally. Yeah, the next section. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it isn't that I like the performances, the direction, the action sequences, the subtle nuances. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that the European version is more candid about the creepiness that is inherent in the American version. Uh, I, I, I found the European version to be more honest, basically. Is the issue with it. Honest? Like... Um, like the subtext in the script is put up front so you can actually like you have to confront it when watching it as opposed yeah. to it being buried in the background where you can pretend it's not there but I, I don't think anybody watches the American version imagines oh yeah there's a lot of stuff like that we don't get to see here by the way out of curiosity right, and this is just me asking on a tangent the jogger in the yellow oh, yeah. and the orange with the sniper rifle during the scene this, with the sniper this rifle. is where, where um, he agrees to train her and he, her. he takes her up on the roof and he gets yeah. the sniper rifle and he says like don't take the lens off uh, mm. he, she takes the lens off he's like don't take the lens off until the last minute uh, because they'll see the glare and then she takes the lens off anyway yeah immediately <laughs> yes there's no pause or hesitation uh, but then a jogger gets out in a limo surrounded by security guards dressed in yellow and orange and is he meant to be like Bill Clinton? Is he meant to be Jay Leno? Is he? It's a very strange scene. I get the sense that this is meant to be like some sort of character who we recognize or some sort of famous person. Some sort of political satire. Yeah, I sense. I sense that there's. I don't think um, it's Bill Clinton because he would be in the White House. Yeah, because um, the he's like. It looks like he's running for mayor or something. Oh, yeah. Looks a bit like Jay Leno. He's like, hey, I, 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 I want, want I want pictures. this to look natural. Yeah, yeah. He he's going for a jog and he he wants to do pictures or something. Pictures like of him going for a jog. Yeah. So it just seems rather strange. And does that mean then that Leon was hired to kill the mayor of New York, Jay Leno, King of New York? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a training exercise. So just yeah. like pick because he, he does say he, pick a, he pick seems someone. surprised that yeah. that she's picked so well. She's <laughs> so like, you'll oh. go far in this. You'll yeah. go far in this career. He's just like pick somebody. Uh, only thing is, can't be can't be a woman, mm-hmm. can't be a child. Yeah. Um, she shoots this guy, and suddenly all these secret service agents are running, and he's looking at it. He doesn't want to let on to her, like, whoa, I'm proud. Yeah, she <laughs> she can spot a high value target. Yeah, uh, he says, okay, we'd better go. <laughs> we should probably shimmy off this roof. All right, so um, I think that's sort of what we liked and what we didn't like. Was there anything yeah. else you didn't like or didn't like about it? Um, well, my one concern last week was when 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 we announced it was the weird um, relationship <laughs> between Leon well, and yeah, Matilda. Yeah, the weird creepy stuff and how the movie handled it. So, so luckily, <laughs> I took care of that for you by choosing yeah. to screen the European version instead of the American. Yeah, version. it gave me much more to talk about. It did. I like, I like digesting it and breaking it out um, and sort of expanding upon it. Because I think... He takes her for drinks as well. like At the restaurant. I think that's in the American cut as well, though. I... 
Okay. So the scene just, where she gets drunk, where she drinks the champagne and starts giggling really loudly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which I think is a great example of her trying to act like an adult while not acting like an adult. Mm. Where she's like, "Look, I can drink alcohol really quickly," which yeah. is what every teenager does. Uh, failing to appreciate the joys of being an adult or drinking alcohol at your own pace. Yeah. Um, or slightly faster. Only slightly faster. Luc Besson. So how do you feel about Luc Besson, Andrew? Are you a fan? Have you seen his other work? I've seen some of his other work. I've, 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 well, seen, I've, I've seen some of his other Gary Oldman movies. Yes, yeah, so you mean The Fifth Element, basically, yes. where we're going with this. Because you know that this was actually developed... Uh, this was written in a month by uh, Luc Besson. It was developed while they were waiting to make the fifth element because Bruce Willis's schedule was famously held up. Mm. Um, so Luke Besson's like, "Hey, I can." I Why can is Bruce this. Willis making a uh, independent movie? What's it even called? Yeah, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> no one's gonna watch that. Uh, yeah, it's directed by who's this Tarantino guy? Nobody wants to see his stuff. Well, he did one movie. I'm Luke Besson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I am a master. Uh, yeah, Luke, I'm afraid we're going to have to change the title from Le Femme Lolita. Uh, it's a little too on the nose, we think. But, uh, yeah, so basically it was it was produced in that short spell, which is remarkable, because I think it holds up much better than The Fifth Element. Like, The Fifth Element also has a great Gary Oldman uh, impression, uh, sorry, uh, performance in it. And there are parts of The Fifth Element that I really like, but I don't, I don't think it matches Leon. Leon sort of, all of Besson's work has this intersection between the real world and the cartoon world. Is it the best mediocre that she's been? Uh, the Fifth Element. Yeah, because she—I guess she doesn't do like a huge amount in in the movie. It's a very kind of like um, Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, but but like um, I suppose mediocre that isn't that bad actually. I think that um, didn't she do something else? So I'm just going to go and I'm going to try drag she, up her. Well, uh, she did all of the. Um, she did a lot of Resident Evil movies. Resident Evil movies. Yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking more in terms of prestige cinema. So I, like, she got her start doing Chaplin, for example, with Richard Attenborough. That's right. Um, and I would argue that man. Which was good ca- casting because she was she was playing a girl who was a little bit too young. Yes. Um, which, which which is why Luke Besson wanted her too, I guess. All right, so that that's the sort of context of it, and it, it held up quite well. So you hadn't seen it in uh, in years, but yeah. uh, and this was your first time watching the continental version. Yeah, the very continental. Version. It's a very continental. Things are different in Europe. Is it pan au chocolat? <laughs> yes, it's the pan au chocolat of cinema. So first of all, do you think it should be in the top two hundred and fifty movies of all time? Would it be in your top 250 movies of all time because it is quite highly it was around about 27 yeah I'd say so and you would would you rank it that highly no 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 let's see what's around it actually okay let's have a quick look so So, um starting at let's count down wait a second Once Upon a Time in the West uh where's Once Upon a Time in the West down 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 down. yeah is at number number 29 29. so it's two places lower as uh, Saving Private Ryan is three places lower oh I was thinking of Once Upon a Time in Mexico Yes, that's a very different film. Now. Yeah. So uh, this one has less Johnny Depp. So according to this, it's one better than Spirited Away. Two better than Once Upon a Time in the West. Three better than Saving Private Ryan. Four better than American History X. Usual Suspects is up there. It's, Silence of the Lambs. I, I it's guess, a Wonderful Life. I guess there's there's a lot of kind of nineties um, movies because they're recent enough to remember, but old enough for us to have some kind of context over like whether whether they're um, good 
Good, but yeah. I think it's, it also like speaks the, to the demographics of the people who vote on this. Like, I imagine yeah. most of the people voting on this are like about our age. The hype has yeah. has died down for the usual suspects, so we can look at it somewhat objectively, but also we've but actually seen it. it. We've actually seen it, and it was a formative experience for many yeah. people. Like, many people our age, one of the first ones who would have seen this number would have been around about 96, 97. So that's why... There's everything from the usual suspects. Seven. Like there's a lot. Seven. There's a lot. Ninety-five. Yeah. I mean, number one movie is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. yeah. So this so is very much a kind of a. It happened um, to be released at a time that we consider to be a golden age of cinema, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 not that much stuff there from like, Jamie Schindler's List, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, Bike Club, for example, if we're going late, Forrest Gump, yeah. if we're going early, Forrest Gump. Okay. We're gonna talk about that when we get to Forrest Gump. Goodfellas, The Matrix, um, Seven, Science of the Lambs, yeah. Usual Suspects. So that the the top so, thirty so what's is below it, I guess. Is like, like, like it's better than Casablanca. What? No, it's not. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's it's better be, than Psycho. There's going to be a lot of mo- it's, it's it's better than City Lights. It's better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, Andrew. Well, I don't mind that. Like, okay. um, I I've no I've no great uh, strong feelings about Indiana Jones. It's a kids' movie. It's like Star Wars. Come at him, people! Come at him! <laughs> Shots fired. Yes, um, your Twitter, your Twitter handle is a Quinoka. Yeah, uh, but don't worry, it'll be on the show notes, so you yes. can tweet at him with your objections. But more to the point, it is apparently better than Charlie Chaplin films like City Lights, Modern Times, uh, Hitchcock films like Rear Window. It's better than The Green Mile, which is yeah. right up there. It's kind of strange that Green Mile is so high. Well, the Green Mile, keep in mind, is from the same writer and director as The Shawshank Redemption, so I reckon it coasted on that. Yeah. But, I mean, let's not get drawn into discussing the breakup no, of the no, 250 no. list. Yeah, yeah. You think, you would consider it to be worthy of being it on the It should be in the, t- in the 250. Um, I guess, actually, for me, yeah, it, w- it, w- it, w- it would be on the 250. It, w- it would be up there... Um, fairly high because I mean the amount of times where I've thought if I watch a movie I would definitely watch again Leon again yeah and you would probably watch the American Cut again the, yes. I feel like I've robbed you of that opportunity because you were so excited about so this so excited Andrew was like listening to the end of the last podcast Andrew was like screaming like an 11 year old girl who had just met and just met Jan Renault <laughs> and, and they'd just been told like go get a milk yeah, <laughs> that's what Andrew was like at the end of the last podcast. Yeah. Whereas in it, after watching the European version, he's like an eleven-year-old girl who's cuddling next to Jan. I was Renault. like two quarts, right? <laughs> okay, see ya. Which and it came back and there was something completely different <laughs> waiting for me that you hadn't expected. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of which, I love that scene because she's so clearly in control. Because uh, she's like. Uh, can I get you some milk? And he hesitates, and she's like, one quart or two? And he hesitates again. And she's like, okay, I'm going for this. It's two quarts, right? And he's like, okay, I have to acknowledge this to make this interaction end. And he's like, yes. And she's like, okay, <laughs> victory. Uh, and runs off. That is what Andrew was like when we announced we were watching Leon yes, uh, last yeah. week. This week, after watching Leon, he seems a bit more resigned. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the cases of like, um, some... Um, when a studio has notes on something and they're actually good notes and, and they change a the movie into something better yeah, which happens actually a lot yeah, well, people the, like to the, complain the tendency is to assume that the studio is always wrong yeah. when, it's, when it's giving notes they actually a lot of the time know what they're talking about 
Yeah, and I wouldn't say a lot of the time, but sometimes they do, and sometimes mm. it leads to a better movie. Yeah. And I'm going to be entirely honest, I think looking at Luc Besson's filmography, like the fact that Leon is probably the only one that people will consider a classic, and arguably because of the forces, the changes that were suggested by that test screen in Los Angeles, yeah, would suggest that in this case, maybe the studio was entirely right. Yeah. Um, cool. So, personally, I wouldn't put it in my 250. I like it a lot. I find it deeply creepy. I like the European version because that creepiness is at least out front instead of buried somewhere where you can pretend it's not there. Uh, but I still wouldn't so consider it to be You don't like subtlety. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, hold on. To be fair, your keep argument... Keep coming, actually. Yeah, your argument, <laughs> your argument for watching this is that you... You like to watch Leon and enjoy Leon because you can pretend that the pedophilic undertones are buried, right? You're happy with them being there just as long as they don't bother you. Is what we're getting at. You're, you're perfectly content to have that happen as long as it's not in your face. Is What's what happening? What, like, what, 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 what am I happy with that, that's, that, that's happening? In, 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 my, in my eyes, nothing... Um, you just said it was there. You just said that the same in the same implications were made in the American version. They just weren't in your no, face. No, all of those like you're you're thinking in the American version that it's the same story as in all of those things that happened in the European version also happened, but we just it, it, like they cut uh, away from them. Yeah, yeah, you just didn't have to no, look at them. In in those, in, those in the American are... version, it's a different universe where none of that <laughs> stuff happened. So you can pretend that it didn't. I think no, but it watch, didn't. If you watch the American <laughs> cut of the film, they're very clearly building to that sort of thing. They're very clearly building to a moment where she comes out in a dress and says, I want you to have sex with me. It just doesn't happen. And you can pretend that that stuff isn't there in the background. Yeah, where, where, where it's just like a, a, a crush that a young girl has on I on, think even in the American version, man. it's more than that. I think in the American version it's a lot more than that. Because you still have that bit where she tells the concierge that they're lovers and stuff like that. Which is not what either of us would have done or what any child, any healthy child would do. Even if they had a crush on an adult. I, I think I would argue that the elements are still there in the American version. They're just put away in the background. I don't know. The young... I, don't, I don't know if I did it myself. Okay. But my core argument is that... It's even a difficult in, movie to talk about. It really is. Even in the American cut of the film, even, sorry, even in the American cut of the film, I think the elements are still there and I think it's very obviously leading to that point. Mm. And I think what the European cut film does, what the European cut of the film does... By the way, the, if uh, listeners are listening to this and they're thinking, oh, like, um, what's... What's, uh, what's the problem between, between like, one cut and the other? What's the difference? Well, what you're listening to right now is actually the... Um, it, is, it, it is quite difficult to deal with, uh, with, 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 with the um, with intersecting themes, themes yeah. of youth and sexuality. Yes, um, in a way that is respectful, dignified, and not at all creepy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I guess, I guess we have some. Um, <laughs> I, I. That's 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 why. <laughs> that's why I liked the American version, and because and it allowed you to dance around those themes. Yeah, yeah. They danced the... around the themes masterfully <laughs> in a way that made me just like More not quite feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I would argue that the film should make you feel uncomfortable. 
Yeah, and it's, it, it it should make you feel uncomfortable and not be on the list. Yes, is what I'm saying. Whereas yeah. Andrew's saying it should not make you feel uncomfortable and should be on the list. It should yeah. make you feel very yeah. comfortable. <laughs> okay, so I think that that's actually probably one of the biggest disagreements we've had. I think of, of this. All right, so let's take a look then um, at the in and out chart. It has been a while since we've done this. Yes, um, the in and out chart. It's not what you think. It's uh, actually the movies that come uh, in and the movies that go out of the top 250 movies of all time, according to IMDb. So the, because this is this is a shifting list, it's moving, not all the time, but some of the time. The um, a movie may get voted up, so it's no longer on the 250. A movie that wasn't on the 250 previously might get, um, did I say voted up? I meant voted down. Yeah, it might come in, go out, it changes, exactly. that sort of thing. So let's take a look at what's come in and what's gone out. It's been a while since we've done this. So let's take a look over the past month, for example. Because I don't think even on the past couple of podcasts we've had the opportunity to do this. So, new entries. So we have, at number 130, so quite a sizable jump, is The Passion of Joan of Arc. She's a 1928 well, movie. The Passion of Jean d'Arc. Oh, she- it's a 1928 movie directed by Carl Theodore uh, Dreher, uh, which has actually been in and out of the list quite a bit um, since January uh, 2001 through to the modern day. And at its highest, it's been at uh, 100 and actually it's, it's highest now. It's at 130 or 124. It was at um, and it's, it's since begun to drop. Uh, but it's been on and off pretty much consistently. Longest absence was between uh, 2005 and 2010 and it's a it's a movie shot in two colors and the colors they went for were black and white which which was a a convention at the time yes Um, a a lot of movies made made the same choice yeah pink and purple doesn't give you enough contrast no all right then what else was in it what else is in kehani or kehani i apologize because uh which is a uh which is an indian film uh, yeah, it's in, by good old uh, Sujoy Gosh. Two hours and two minutes long. This um, movie now, they chose to shoot in colour. In all sorts of colours. The fact yeah. it was made in 2012. In 2012, it was all kind of colour movies mostly. Yeah. Um, and it's actually been in and it's It's been jumping around quite a bit. So it's it's hovered around the bottom of the charts for quite a while. So in, in 2016, it was 250 for quite a while. Uh, and then it jumped in in June up to 117. Then mm. it dropped off again, and it's been hovering around. It's off 250 at the moment. So it's quite. Uh, it sort of skirted the edge and then and sort of bounced around, uh, which is is very very strange. Um, I haven't seen this now. I don't know. I assume. Have you seen it? No. The, the, this is this is I'm guessing a Bollywood movie. Now now it it, now it looks quite. Um, uh, how would you say high kind of high brow. Well, it does. Well, I mean, it's it's shot around the world. It's a mystery film. Um, a pregnant woman's search for her missing husband takes her from London to Calcutta. That's right, but 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 everyone she's questioning is denying have ever, having ever met her husband, which is the interesting part about it, isn't it? It, it is. So it's it's quite a quite an interesting sort of setup. Um, so we might we might looking do looking forward to this. I always enjoy Vidya Balan, of course. Um, sadly, I'm not not familiar with her work, unfortunately. 
Yeah, well, and Andrew is the cin- international cinephile on the podcast. She's, here. she's no Parambrata Chatterjee. Okay, thank you, Andrew. All right then, and then to make room for those two, what has dropped out? Oh, it's controversial here. Um, I'm not. I, 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 I'm disappointed that this has fallen out. I, there's singles here. Um, High noon, which I quite like. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cooper. Wait, yeah, no, I, no, hold on. It's, it seems to be a lot of the Westerns drop out. There's what's the one with uh, the man who shot Liberty Balance? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah the, the, which is John Wayne. The MDB two fifties, the man who shot Liberty Balance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> henceforth known as yeah. Um, which is let's actually be sure that the man who shot whether the man who shot Liberty Balance is in is actually in the two fifty at the moment. It is not. Oh. So it dropped out and it never came back. So the Western someday, Purge continues. High noon should come back though. You, the way the way the way they deal with um, tension in that where they, where they keep shooting to the clock, yeah. Like apparently that um, that whole act of the movie toward towards the end, it, it kind of lacked any real excitement until they added that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh hey, um, but it wasn't enough <laughs> <laughs> to keep it in the ID two fifty, and also dropping out. Beauty and the Beast. The 1991 Disney film version. Um, making room, possibly, for the version starring uh, Emma Watson and... Uh, Emily Watson. Is it Emma or Emma? It's Emma Watson. And Dan Stevens. Yes. Next year. Um, no, um, no Jessica Fletcher. Unfortunately. Um, murder, she wrote. Um, so in terms of actual changes that have occurred... Um, Any in, big ones? Ben-Hur has climbed four spaces... Um, as in, as in the old Ben Hur. The old Ben Hur, not the new Ben Hur. It's jumped from 197 to one nine three. One of ours, um, the prisoners, yeah, um, has jumped four. Yeah, wish we could take credit for that, but we haven't actually <laughs> released the podcast yet. No. Um, and then, Gangs of Was Four, actually, which I haven't seen, I've heard good things about, um, has climbed, and the Deathly Hollows has also climbed four places. Why is Deathly that on the top two fifty? Well, when we watch the movie, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, yeah. I've seen that. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> stand together as a movie. One of my friends told me you'll actually like it. It's, it's just a good movie. It's like no, no, no. you arrive and it's like this punk kid who wants to kill people. And you're like, why? And then uh, at some point in the movie, everyone arrives at once, and you're like, who are all these people? And why are they all being featured? It's like, oh, I'm also here. And then everyone hooks up. And it's like, what? They're, they're couples now? It's, it's crazy. I've watched the film and I have no idea what the hell you are describing, Andrew. Um, but the yes, same movie. The same movie, obviously. The same Nathan movie. <laughs> uh, the same franchise installment. Captain America. Has fallen 59 places, which is a shame. If we were going to talk about it, we should talk about it soon. Uh, it's dropped from 171 to 230. Mm. Quite a sizable drop, 59 places. Recently saw Ant-Man, which I enjoyed. Ant-Man's okay, and I feel like the Edgar Wright version would have been better. Yeah, but like there, there's there's still very much that kind of imprint on it. Yes. It is, it is essentially his movie. They, 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 he, he just wasn't allowed to stay until the end. To actually direct it, yes. Yeah. Um, I we couldn't talk about that. The, yeah, the the, the 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 scene in in the child's uh, oh, bedroom. That is very much an Edgar Wright scene. It's fantastic. But unfortunately, you have to get through the big blowing up building climax to get there first. Like, yeah, 
there's a lot of film that there's a lot of that that is Edgar Wright, like the the sequences where um, Mario um, Mario Pena sort of talks through how the information that was got amazing. to him. They're amazing, and they they look very much like Edgar Wright sequences. Yeah. Uh, but for everyone like that, you have your standard. Oh my God! Look, we've got to get this guy from Captain America to show up for a scene, uh, which is very much a Marvel move. Uh, so mm. I, I had that issue with Ant Man. Uh, also dropping is uh, Zootopia, which is another. A lot of 2016 films seem to be dropping as if people are realizing that maybe they're not the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. So that's dropped. I don't know if 2016 has been much of a year for movies no. really at all. No, not no. really. Not really Yeah, at all. it's been more known for all of the terrible movies <laughs> than like, for the good like, ones. I think people have spoken more about um, the two DC movies. <laughs> that were terrible. Yeah. Than, um, than the two Marvel movies that, that were adequate. Yeah. Uh, well, it, in fairness, the one Marvel movie, the Doctor Strange, hasn't been out yet. Well, so. D- D- Deadpool was all, also came onto MDB two fifty. Now, Deadpool um, was enjoyable, but would you consider it one of the top two hundred fifty no. movies ever made? No, I, I wouldn't even kind of necessarily recommend it. I I, I enjoyed it myself, but like not to the not to well, the level. You know, what I would like to see is The Martian. Okay, The Martian's great. Yeah. So what you're saying is we should totally rig the next draw that we end up with the <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. If we pick the next week's mo- next week's movie, and it turns out to be the Martian, yeah. Andrew, would you do the honor of clicking the totally random number generator as certified by random.org? Generate. And the number is two hundred and three. Oh, Let us see. Oh, I feel like what I should go number. again. The number two hundred and three is Stalker from nineteen seventy nine. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh, Tarkovsky. Oh, Was yes. It? He recently had a retrospective at the at BFI. The I, at the IFI, yeah, as well. And at the IFI. And at the IFI as well. So, uh, yes, that'll be very interesting. Two hours and 43 minutes. It's going to be a long one. A guide leads two men through an area known as a zone to find a room that grants wishes. I've heard Tarkovsky is amazing. I think I tried to watch some of Solaris when I was perhaps too young, young to, to properly <laughs> yeah, digest yeah. it. All right, then. So let's take a look uh, at what the trailer is like, uh, if we yes. can find a classic trailer. Oh, this is going to be in Russian.
Oreo popcorn muncher. This yeah. one. This may be the artsiest movie <laughs> that we have covered in this point. About time. It really is, actually. To be fair, yeah. it's good to balance stuff like Leon to get a sense. That's why we wanted to do the 250, to get a sort of a broad range of popular yeah. culture. Although it's going to be very clear that we are out of our depth when we talk about it next week. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> but when you saw, like, if you didn't have the summary um, that I just read from the website... And you watched the trailer, which didn't come with subtitles for anybody listening. Just trailer. So the trailer doesn't give any indication of what the movie's actually about. No. Uh, it just seems to pan over really depressing and bleak landscapes. Um, actually, that's just Russia. <laughs> I, 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 I had a Russian friend one time in the States, and he, we compared photographs of the two <laughs> places we lived. And one of them was uh, Lipetsk. Which which had like um, many factories and stuff. looked and a lot like the trailer that you just smoke seen. and yeah bundles of logs <laughs> and, and and wire fences, which yeah. again is very much the aesthetic yeah. that you get watching the trailer. So, uh, train tracks. Yeah, yeah, and um, which yeah. is Andrew has just summed up for anybody who was listening to the podcast because all you would have heard was uh, some Russian spoken at the start of the trailer and some really impressive uh, ambient music. Mm. Uh, Andrew just laid out all the visuals for you. Uh, yeah. They're rather neatly. But I think it makes sense that that, that, that a lot of the country looks like that because um, the, I guess the Soviet Union had a real fetish for the industrial. Uh, yeah, design aesthetic. Well, I mean, it was. It was very much about tearing down the uh, structures of, say, the 19th century. The, mm. um, so everything was functional utilitarian almost, like mm. uh, technologically driven. But we're going to get, we're only going to get into those sort of sociological generalizations next week. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the film yet, anybody who has seen the film yet, listen in next week. Anybody who hasn't seen the film yet, it's a great opportunity to delve into something perhaps a bit more cultural than Luc Besson's Ouvre. Ouvre? Ouvre? Ouvre. Oh. oh. His egg. Like egg, yes, it is. <laughs> um, yes, we are not going to be equipped to talk about Stalker. All right, anyway, so let's talk about what we're doing at the moment. Andrew, you have a bunch of stuff coming up. Yeah, I'm. Um, um... Well, I have stuff coming up, but I'm not sure if it's stuff I can talk about. Oh, uh, that's the best stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I may be strutting some stuff. Strutting some stuff? Yes, yeah. For, 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 for a very wordy cause. But I should probably ascertain, first of all... Whether it's appropriate to mention that yeah, in a public whether, forum. Whether, whether that wordy cause or the organization which is hosting... Would want um, to be associated that, with that this that podcast. Would want to be associated with this uh, pedophilia-themed... <laughs> Discussion of sexuality and humor. Yeah, we might wait until next week. Or at some point when we're doing maybe It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, at which point it's more of a gentle segue. Yeah. But in the meantime, people can find you on Twitter, Andrew, at... A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A-A-Guinny-U-K-A. Um, so you can rant and rave about his objections to the Indiana Jones and Star Wars films there. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> Come at him, bro. Uh, my name is uh, Darren. Uh, you can find me online. Your name at, is Darren? Yeah, after all this time, you thought I was a David, didn't you? Oh my god. It's like, a, it's like you're seeing a new side of me. But you can find me uh, online. My Twitter handle is Darren underscore Mooney. Um, you can find me blogging at the Movie Blog. Um, I'm doing a couple of guest segments on the Xcast at the moment, talking about the X Files, which I'm very happy to do. Uh, should hopefully. Exciting! How's that going? 
Uh, well, it's been great fun. Um, I've got a couple more coming up as well. Very, oh, very nerdy. Uh, wait, wait, are there any particular episodes you're talking about? I'm talking about One Breath, which is possibly the best episode the show ever produced. That's the wow. one where Julian Anderson was uh, pregnant and so had to be written out, had to be written back in, and Dukovny is fantastic. Um, so you struck it there. I did. I got very lucky. And I've also bagged Vince Gilligan's second script, actually. I'll be talking about that pretty soon as well, so I'm very excited about that, which is Pusher, which is also one of the show's top ten episodes. Um, maybe by the time we've released this, I will have actually been on the show. Um, but anyway, so yep, you can find me there. Um, I may occasionally record with Scanon, and I'm hoping to have a book out at some point in the future about the episode. Yeah. So um, if, if I can plug something that's not my own. Go um, for it. I, I, I listened to an episode of uh, Doughboy with uh, Paul Rust. I think it's a bit old. And and, and I laughed an awful lot. Doughboys Dough is where they talk about um, fast food. Okay. Um, restaurants and they review them. Thank you for listening to the 250. I'm Darren. <laughs> and my name is Andrew. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening in. See you guys. <laughs>